This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Today's episode of the Chase to Must podcast is brought to you by our presenting sponsor, Panko Chicken. The new Atlanta restaurant thrives off of a unique spin on Japanese and Western cuisine and is already racking up the awards, winning Best Selling Taste in the Taste of Atlanta Awards both in 2017 and 2018. So if you're in the metro Atlanta area and are wanting to try something new and good and delicious, go to Panko Chicken today and tell them that I sent you over. You'll be glad you did, I promise. Panko Chicken, where eats meets West. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right. Welcome back to a late Tuesday night edition of the Chase Thomas podcast. And I am joined by Sean Hyken, one of the best NBA writers that I know. Sean, good evening. How are you? I'm good. I mean, you must not know a lot of NBA writers, but I appreciate you having me on. It's been a few months, and no, Sean, you're very good. You're very good. I mean, you. who else would get to the bottom of weird Celtics Twitter other than Sean Hyken? That was probably the most response I've ever gotten to a story that I've written. People really like that. And I'm, I'm just. That I'm, is? I, I mean, because it's. I think it's such an organic thing that has kind that kind of sprung up. Uh, and I'm just and now, you know, you're kind of seeing now like some of these Celtics broadcasts uh, like on NBC Sports Boston. Uh, my guy, Max Letterman, who's one of the producers there, has been, you know, putting like weird Celtics Twitter into like their into like their pre and post game shows. And then uh, like like there was a video interview the other day where Abby Chin was basically just showing Marcus Smart some of the memes on an iPad. And he was like saying he thought they were funny. So I'm just glad to give my man the riffs man a bigger platform. Yeah, always ahead of the curve, Sean. Hyken. You need to have the riffs man on this podcast. Like, I, I think that would be the most downloaded episode of all time. Uh, maybe we'll see. I, I have a long list, Sean, as we talked about. Um, Mark Bolger coming on later this week. A lot of, lot of guests. I'll add him to the Rolodex of the Chase Most podcast. So we're always expanding. So I'm always looking for new ideas, Sean. But you are here tonight and... You know, a lot of good stuff is going on in the NBA. Like, a lot of people are doing early MVP stuff, which is weird to me. Like, the first half, all NBA. I think Simmons and uh, Rusilla did that the other day. And I'm not ready for any of that because once I heard Kemba and, like, I forgot who their other guard, like, Old Depot for their two first-team all NBA guards, I'm like, oh, we don't have to actually have this conversation because if that's your two first-team all NBA people, then uh, it's too early in the season to talk about this. Let's not do any of that. Um, That would be great. Um, I will say, it seems like everybody's turned the other way on Anthony Davis and Joel Embiid, right? Isn't it kind of amazing how over the last couple weeks, and I agree um, that Joel Embiid does seem like he has passed Anthony Davis to some extent as a more valuable player, but um, are, are you surprised? Because it seemed like Anthony Davis was just 
the guy. I mean, he has been the unicorn big, the guy that everybody's wanted, the the guy that we're all monitoring to see where he goes because he's really like the last, I shouldn't say the last, but like the next gigantic uh, franchise changing NBA landscape changing trade piece. It's um, Jimmy Butler's moved on. Like LeBron's in LA for a while. Durant, we'll see. But like in terms of trade pieces, like Anthony Davis is the next one up of like a franchise altering NBA altering kind of player. But it it's just kind of interesting that Joel Embiid is just leads the Sixers in minutes this year. Is suddenly no longer an injury risk. I shouldn't say that. Knocking on wood. That I record on. A wood desk, so I can do that, Sixers fans. But um, yeah, I mean, I this wasn't even on my docket, but I've just uh, this has been something I w- I've been thinking about, and I wanted to get your your take on this. Are you surprised at all about the Anthony Davis Joel Embiid argument kind of shifting or evolving this season? You know, I feel like we all kind of take Anthony Davis for granted a lot of the time. If you remember a couple of years ago when Carl Anthony Towns was a rookie. There was already talk of, oh, who's better, Carl Anthony Towns or Anthony Davis? Like, who would you rather build a franchise around? It just kind of seems like every year, you know, somebody else comes along where everybody's like, oh, this is the new Anthony Davis. This is the new Anthony Davis. Maybe this year it's Joel Embiid. Guess what? Anthony Davis is still pretty good. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the the trade stuff is interesting with him because there's kind of always this just thought that anybody is, you know, who's in a small market like that where, you know, the team is kind of capped out at being... Uh, maybe a middle playoff team that wins around like they did last year, but then is it really going to go anywhere beyond that? And you have like a generational type of talent uh, in, you know, in a guy like Anthony Davis and people kind of say, Oh, he's stuck there. He, you know, we need to set him free and get him to, you know, Boston or LA or wherever. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't know Anthony Davis. I don't think he, he's one of the, out of like, I think out of the big superstars, he's like one of the guys that I think people know the least, like you've never really seen him give, like a big revealing interview or he doesn't have anybody in the media that you can look to look at and say, Oh, this is this person's guy. Mm-hmm. So we don't really know a lot of Anthony Davis or what he's thinking or whatever, but I still think, and maybe he gets traded later on in his career. Maybe he forces a trade later on, but I just can't see a scenario in which he doesn't sign the Supermax extension with new Orleans. Wow. That's so much money. Like that. That's the but thing. But we've already like, done this, right? Like I don't even think uh, uh, superstars with endorsements and everything else. I don't feel like who's turned value, down the super. Like it's not working. Who's turned down the supermax that's been offered it? Because Kawhi wasn't offered it. In well, I mean, Boogie was in this same kind of predicament a couple of years ago. A second, he wanted. Right? Well, well, no, because he wanted to sign it. They didn't want to pay it to him, and so they traded him. But he would have signed it. He had came out and said a few day, weeks before the trade that he didn't want to leave. So, so I mean, Jimmy Butler just. T- I mean, he could have made more by staying in Minnesota than what he's going to get probably from Philly. No, he's gonna not, take... not necessarily. I mean, the, the, the money they're going to pay him. I mean, they kind of have to. They made this trade yeah. and they're, you know, they, they're saying, look, you know, we have Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid and, you know, we have Jimmy Butler in his prime right now. This is our, uh, you know, th- this is our window to contend. They, wh- what do they have to do? They, they kind of have to do it. It's going to be an ugly contract on the back end, but you know, they're kind of in the same position that the Grizzlies were in with Mike Conley, where, you know, it's maybe not a great idea on the back end, but they had to do it. Same thing with the, like what the contract that, uh, Houston gave to Chris Paul, maybe, you know, they got lucky being able to avoid the fifth year, but like, what were they going to do? Think so. uh, I mean, based on what we're seeing this year, with Houston, I don't know if they even got lucky with four years of Chris Paul. Well, right. But what were they going to do? Not resign Chris Paul. Um, what, what do you do? What do you do if you don't, you, you just, you just had a, you just had a season where you won 65 games and you took golden state to seven games in the 
uh, conference finals and probably would have won the series if Chris Paul had been healthy. Do you just say, okay, Chris Paul, you know, we're just not going to re-sign you because they wouldn't have had, they still wouldn't have had the money to sign anybody else. It's not like they had someone else they could have brought in to replace Chris Paul that would have been half as good as him. And I mean, it's been pretty ugly this year, but you kind of have to do it. I kind of feel like that that's the position that Philly is in with Jimmy Butler right now, where they're going to have to like it, it's Which gonna it's gonna suck because Philly's yeah. a different team now and you see what they're doing and there's someone that I want to talk about a little bit later but like I guess is there anyone else who's been up like outside of Anthony Davis that has this um new Supermax deal in front of them and kind of has to make a big decision do we do I want to be in NBA purgatory for the next five years and make a lot a lot of money or don't want to make a little bit less because it's still a lot of money wherever else he goes. Like Anthony Davis is still going to get paid and he's still going to be in this league a long time and he's still going to get endorsements and everything else. Like he's going to be a well-paid man wherever he goes. It's just, you're, like you said, it's a lot of money and we don't know anything about Anthony Davis's um, priorities, anything like that. So it's hard to forecast what he wants, what he um, wants to do. Everything just seems to revolve around the clutch stuff, and it seems like, oh, the Lakers stuff is inevitable, but um, if I'm Anthony Davis, I don't want to... I'm still a little hesitant about the Lakers right now and what they're going to do and um, just the Palenka-LeBron stuff and just... um, I I don't know. I... I well, you bring up the clutch stuff. What is the common denominator with with all of the clutch guys? Rich Paul gets all his guys paid. Yes. He's never... I I don't think Rich Paul is really going to be out here leaving money on the table with one of his most highly, you know, marketable guys. And the thing is, you can always, you sign the extension and then you can always, you know, force a trade later on. You can always like yeah. say, I don't want to be here and get and get somewhere after you've kind of gotten the money already. But that'd be really shitty to New Orleans to re-up with them with the Supermax and then be like, oh, a year later. Oh, sorry, I'm out. Because if you uh, okay. sign that Supermax, you're uh, telling, um, isn't the Saints owner who owns them now? Yeah. Isn't, yeah, well, he passed recently, so I guess. And she... That's see, that's the other weird thing. Their ownership stuff is weird because I remember reading a few months back that she has like no interest and in, like I I remember there being something weird there. Um, so who even knows really what the future of New Orleans is? And is Dell Demps going to be the GM when that time comes for him to sign the Supermax? Like, there's just so many things up in the air. And if you're um, Anthony Davis, I mean, I check's still it. clear, man. I, I mean, know, here's but... the thing. Here's the thing. And the, the, the thing uh... I keep going back to nobody who has been offered the Supermax has turned it down. John Wall signed it. James yeah. Harden signed it. Russell Westbrook signed it. But those uh, are all better situations. Well, right. But it was still the same money thing. Like, I think, yeah. and I think, I think Giannis is going to sign it with Milwaukee, whether he wants to be there long term oh, or not. Is... Give him actually the Super Supermax. Um, whatever the 20 year max is, is what Giannis should get because. Um, Should Anthony Davis not get that though with, no. with your New Orleans and and see that's the thing with some of these other guys with some of these other guys like you can question whether it was the a smart decision to give somebody all that money and you, you know this is some of the guys that had that the, the teams have decided to trade rather than you know give out those contracts I was talking earlier Sacramento uh, decided they didn't want to give Demarcus Cousins that extension and so they traded him that right, a big part of why the Bulls traded Jimmy Butler is because they didn't want to pay him the two hundred and forty million dollar extension when he was. 33 or whatever mm-hmm. so you know some of these you know there were some of these guys where guys had reservation i would not have any reservation if i was new orleans about giving anthony davis as much money as i could possibly give him to stick around long term because if you're them like if he leaves you don't have a franchise basically well i mean that should be the thing i hold on let me be very careful here new orleans i i love you pelicans fans you're great um i i I don't want the NBA to expand two more teams. I don't want Vegas and Seattle. I would rather just move New Orleans to Seattle. That's what I want. So, yeah, 
Anthony Davis re-up if you talk to uh, Adam Silver and you get uh, confirmation that that team will be in Seattle in 2021 to join the new Seattle hockey team that got announced today. That's, oh, I that's saw the that. I'm saying, yeah. yes. I saw that. I saw that. I mean, that's, that's good for Seattle getting the hockey team. I have been told, though, that apparently the this new arena and, you know, maybe you want to talk to Kevin Pelton about this because he's more mm. up on the Seattle stuff yeah. than I am. But uh, I think they don't think that the new arena renovations, because what they're doing right now is they're renovating the key arena. Yeah. Uh, downtown. I think they think that that's going to be more of a hockey focused arena and it's not going to still be up to NBA standards. And so if Seattle's going to get another NBA team, they're going to have to they might have to build another arena. Mm which there's still that group that Chris Hansen is leading that I think is still trying to make that happen. But it's, it's sort of a catch and still the leader of uh, the the president uh, GM uh, for that new uh, Sonics regime. Remember that was a thing. Well, yeah, be, right. Well, when they were going to get the Kings. Yeah, that was the yeah. that was the Chris plan. But Hansen I mean, it, and Phil Jackson in Seattle. What could have I been? think I think after the way the Knicks thing gone when I don't think Phil, Phil Jackson is going to be running another NBA team anytime so. soon yeah, but so they're kind of in a catch-22 from what I understand right now because the people don't want to pay you know the, the, the city doesn't want to approve an arena until they know they're getting a team and the league doesn't want to give them a say, team that's not how that works and you don't yeah that's not going to happen I don't see the league budging on that at all um yeah I would understand that but that I don't think that's realistic. I would just move the Pelicans. Let's not overthink this. Just move them. New Orleans just doesn't work. It's the smallest market in the NBA. Um, Memphis, I actually really like, even though I think they're the second smallest. You're not moving OKC, obviously. Well, Memphis uh, actually has like an out clause in their arena in a few years where if Robert Perry decides to sell the team mm-hmm. in 2021, that like there's like a buyback clause for some of the minority owners. Uh, it's Justin like it's Timberlake, like, Peyton Manning. How are yeah, they exactly. here? I, is it? Is it is it those two? I feel like there's one other. Like, yeah, I mean, those two are definitely minority owners. I know that Shaq has a minority ownership in the Kings. Usher uh, is Grant it. Hill is, is in the Hawks. Mm, trying to think of, I, there's, Usher. I bet you even more guys that we have no idea, like the shadow minority owners that we're just not even aware of. Well, Jay Z um, had to divest his shares in the Nets at when he's when he yeah. started his agency. So, mm. yeah, maybe Big Sean, minority owner of the Pistons now. Who knows? Well, Usher as a the minority owner of the Cavs. Is he? Yeah. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Or at least um, he used to be he did or didn't. I don't know. Wow. Okay. Well, I didn't know any of that. But anyway, it could be fun. And I just, I'm interested to see how it plays out with Anthony Davis. Uh, this is a good lead-in to um, something uh, that happened this week. The Chicago Bulls moved on from Fred Hoiberg. It's year four. And... It uh, did not go to plan, but I guess my first thing would be, what was the plan for Garpax and Fred Hoiberg outside of we're friends with this guy who was really successful in college? Um, Zach Lowe laid out a very good piece on ESPN.com that kind of highlighted everything that they did to Fred Hoiberg when they brought him on in year one, year two, year three, and then uh, the first part of year four. Um, Not great. It was, uh, we can't forget the Rajon Rondo, Dwayne Wade year where like, it looked like they were actually going to let him do the pace and space stuff that he wanted to do. And then at the very end of free agency, they signed them both. And then the Jimmy Butler, not respecting Hoiberg right away was always an issue. And there's, you covered this team. You, I did. you've been in Chicago, you know how this all, uh, started. Um, are, I feel like the bigger thing to me is Hoiberg got almost four years. Like I'm actually kind of surprised he made it this long. I think a lot of the why Hoiberg lasted this long was, to be honest with you, was kind of an optics thing for them. Because if you'll remember, 
when they hired him, they did not do a real coaching search yes. or a real interview process for any of this. I still remember uh, being at the press conference that they called after they fired Tom Thibodeau in 2015, where John Paxson and Gar Foreman stood up there and said, we're going to undertake a nationwide coaching search. We're going to leave no stone unturned. We're going to interview a wide variety of candidates to find our next coach. And then, you know, 48 hours later, Woj was reporting on the years and money on Hoiberg's contract. And meanwhile, it had been the worst kept secret in the league for like a year that Hoiberg was who they had tabbed as, you know, their next coach. And, you know, they, they, uh, you know, you, you want to know how far back, uh, Fred Hoiberg and Gar Foreman go. It's, 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 it basically, uh, Fred, so, so Fred Hoiberg was a player at Iowa State in the mid-90s. Mm-hmm. Gar was an assistant coach on those Iowa State teams. So they've known each other since before Fred was even in the NBA as a player. And then when yeah. Fred played for the Bulls and he got traded to the Timberwolves, I think this was like 2003 or 2004, whatever year that was, Gar mm-hmm. Foreman and his wife bought Fred's house from him in Chicago. Oh, so wow. they went they went way far back, and they had been kind of planting the seeds of, oh, Fred Hoiberg is going to be our next coach for a long time before they fired Thibodeau. And which is why it was such a joke when they were talking about, Oh, we're going to go undergo a nationwide coaching search. And I think what they did, because this was like on the heels of the first Steve Kerr year with the Warriors where they won the championship. And, you know, Steve Kerr was looked at as a guy where, okay, he had been a player. He had been in NBA front offices before, but he had never had any NBA head coaching experiences. And then you took basically the same roster that they had under, Mark Jackson and they thought okay we just need to change out the coach and that worked out great because the Warriors went from like a pretty good second round team to you know this thing that the Warriors are now I think the Bulls thought that that was going to be what the change was going to be from Tom Thibodeau who they felt had kind of run his course in Chicago to Fred Hoiberg who you know is a younger guy he had had a lot of success as a college coach at Iowa State uh you know and then he had been a player in the league he had been in a front office he you know he and he obviously had that relationship with Gar Foreman. They thought that it was going to be a Steve Kerr situation where they had this still the same roster that they had the year before that had taken the Cavs, you know, in the second round. They lost in six games. They almost went up 3 1 if LeBron hadn't hit that game winner uh, in that series. Uh, and so they just kind of thought, okay, we have this roster that we still have from Tibbs where we, you know, we have Derrick Rose, Joakim Noah, uh, Pau Gasol. Jimmy Butler had just started to come into his own as an all star caliber player at the time. And they thought, okay, we just need a new new coach that is somebody that we like as opposed to Tom Thibodeau, who we didn't like and didn't get along with and had all these issues with. And that's going to be what takes us to the next level. And when Hoiberg was introduced to media in Chicago, they were saying, you know, this is a championship caliber roster and this roster, you know, and, you know, we have championship aspirations. And I think that was kind of unfair to Hoiberg from the jump because they were basically taking this roster that had run its course already. All these guys were getting older. You know, Derrick Rose was declining physically. Joakim Noah was totally on his last legs. Pau Gasol was never really a great fit. Derrick Rose got like hit in the face and like broke his orbital bone. Yeah, like, the, fir- right the first day of training camp, ta- he took an, an inadvertent elbow from Taj Gibson and he basically had to miss all of training camp. Not because- a good sign. <laughs> no, and, and then like the, for the for the uh, first month and a half of the season, he was he had to wear a mask and he was basically yeah. telling us that like he couldn't see out of one eye and he was. Like, oh man, he could, I you know, he's having du- yeah. double vision. He had to aim for the middle hoop. So basically, Fred was like, th- from, from the beginning, you know, they asked me, you know, this coach that, you know, is talked up as, oh, I want to play fast. I want to, you know, run. I want to run. I want to shoot a lot of threes. And then you're giving him Pau Gasol and Joakim Noah as your big man. And like, 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 how's that going to work Joakim out? Noah also 
basically done at that point. It it's amazing that we're at this point now, but he was heading in the wrong direction. It was not the top three MVP year, Joakim Noah right away. Like it was, and then obviously the weird stuff because wasn't Jimmy Butler rubbing teammates the wrong way right away when he was becoming an All Star? Where it was like, well, oh, this is no longer Derek Rose's team or Joakim Noah's team. This is becoming Jimmy Butler's, and there's some resentment there. It was just like. Well, so here's the thing with things. well, here's the thing with Jimmy. It was the and this is a you know something I've always like a point I've always kind of made to people is about the whole Jimmy thing is Jimmy, but like most of these guys, if you look at who like the top superstars are in the NBA, like the guys who are like a Jimmy Butler level, like all NBA, you know that like franchise player type of guy, mm-hmm. and you know you go down the line, it's LeBron, it's Kevin Durant, you know Anthony Davis, John Wall, whoever. Vast majority of these guys have been preparing to be NBA superstars since they were like 12 in terms of like they've had you know they were they were like the number one guy on their aau team they were these huge recruits they've been on the circuit they've been 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 on the circuit but they've also had the like people in their ears telling them like this is how you have to handle stuff this is how you have to be a leader this is how you have to handle the media when you're going to be a superstar most of these guys have kind of had that predestined jimmy butler kind of took the opposite path in terms of you know, he was the 74th ranked shooting guard out of the state of Texas in his mm-hmm. high school recruiting class. He had to play two years at junior college before he got the scholarship offer from Marquette. And then he was the 30th pick in the draft. And when they drafted him, the thought was, you know, maybe he's going to eventually play take Luol Deng's role eventually where, you know, he's going to yeah. be a lockdown defender and maybe he could develop into a good offensive player someday. It's to Jimmy's credit that he worked his ass off to get as good mm-hmm. as he ended up getting. And I mean, because I don't think anybody saw him becoming as good as he ended up becoming or else he wouldn't have been the 30th overall pick in the draft. But he doesn't he didn't have that built in experience of growing up, knowing that you're going to have to be the leader and be the number one guy on a team and how you have to have to treat people and stuff. And so when Jimmy suddenly goes from being like a pretty good role player that people think has a lot of potential to being this all star, you know, the number one guy on the team basically overnight he doesn't have that experience of this is how i'm going to be a leader this is how i'm going to rally the guys this is how i'm going to i have to have my coaches back i have to you know interact with teammates and so that just kind of rubbed a lot of people the wrong way just you know from that standpoint because jimmy's whole attitude is i worked hard to get here why can't everybody else work as hard as me or if you're bad at something why can't you just work hard to get better at it? that that's the that was why he and carl anthony towns had issues in minnesota because uh Jimmy kind of saw Towns at rightly or wrongly saw Towns as a guy who would be playing Fortnite in on the plane after a loss instead of watching film. And Jimmy just kind of doesn't respect anybody that he perceives as not working as hard as him. Right. And I mean, that personality rubs some people the wrong way because it's not how life works. People are like people. <laughs> you can be successful and have a different demeanor than everybody else. Not everybody has to have the Kobe, the Black Mamba mindset. Not every player has to think and act and feel the same way. And obviously you don't know what all these athletes are doing on their own time and everything else. And uh, yeah, not not great. But it's also something you understand from Jimmy Butler's perspective, as you laid out, is that like he has had to have a chip on his shoulder for almost a decade. He is just someone that is... He sees himself kind of like, I did this myself. I did what I needed to do. And now I'm a superstar and I'm going to wield this uh, Thor-like hammer the way I see fit because I've earned it. And everybody else, um, especially the guys who were in the lottery, should um, always be working. There's no reason I should be better than this person. I was drafted 30th overall and look at how good I am. Why aren't you this good? And you were, uh, I was told that you were better than me or more talented than me. And yet here I am the number one option on this team. Yeah, I think that's accurate. Now getting back to Hoiberg for a second, you know, I'm not surprised that they fired him. 
in the seat during the season because I mean the team was five and nineteen. Like they're yeah. you, but you know any bad anyway. No right, glory. but anytime right, but yeah. anytime a team is five and nineteen, you have to think like a coach you know is going to have his job security in danger. I'm a little surprised they did it right now because they had only gotten one game with Lowry Markinen back healthy, and then they didn't yeah. have uh you know Bobby Portis is still waiting to come back and Chris Dunn as well. So when, I They've think been they playing were, Cameron Payne. Like they've been playing Archinato or whoever that Villanova kid. He's been like forty minutes. Archiakno has actually been okay, but so, but you know, you you, they they haven't had a full team, and I think the thought was, you know, we're gonna, you know, these guys are all coming back in a few weeks, and so we're gonna like evaluate Hoiberg once he has a full team back, and then if we still don't like what we're seeing, maybe we will make a change around the All Star break. That was a sense I had kind of gotten. I was definitely a little bit when I woke up yesterday morning and saw the email from the Bulls saying that they had done it. I mean, like I said, I was, I, I kind of thought there was a possibility that uh, it would happen eventually. I didn't think it would happen on December 3rd. Yeah. Well, don't let any of this distract you from the fact that Garpax uh, signed Jabari Parker this mm-hmm. offseason. No reason to do that because uh, you're not going to believe this, but he plays the same position as their most important asset on their team, Lori Markkinen. Um, and also, they, uh, they re-signed uh, Zach Levine, kept him around. Guess who's not good this year? Zach Levine. Guess who is someone that you do not pay a lot of money multiple years? Zach Levine. And uh, Chris Dunn doesn't look like a starting point guard in today's NBA. Cameron Payne. So I'm gonna just I'm gonna disagree with you about Levine. I think he's been pretty solid this year. Oh God, he's. I know awful. you. I, I know, Zach I mean, Levine that, is awful. This is something you and I have disagreed about yes. in the past. You're not a Zach Levine guy at all. But no. I think that deal is looking fine right now. The Jabari one was just totally egregious because that was the Jabari one was exactly like when they signed Dwayne Wade uh, yes. a couple summers ago, where it was not a basketball decision. You know, they basically, you know, nobody really thought Dwayne Wade was going to actually leave Miami. And then yeah. he becomes available and the Bulls were like, hey, you know, it's Dwayne Wade. It's a big name. It's a Hall of Famer. He's from Chicago or or Chicago adjacent. You know, he'll 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 get fans excited. He'll sell some jerseys, whatever. Let's do it. And then with Jabari, it was just kind of the same thing because it wasn't even like he was getting a lot of other offers, but they still gave him $20 million for this year. And now they, you know, they, the counter that they're going to give you to that is, you know, he's, you know, the second year is a team option. And so it's going to, and so it doesn't uh, mess with their future cap flexibility, but it's like, okay, he's still on the team for a year. And the coach, whether it's Fred Hoiberg or now Jim Boylan has to actually figure out how to manage his minutes and actually put him in the lineup when he's not a long-term piece. That's, that's what I thought was kind of an egregious uh, misuse of uh, resources uh, on the bulls part as far as, you know, bringing in Jabari Parker and to Hoiberg's credit, they brought him in to play small forward. And after like three preseason games, Hoiberg looked at it and was just like, yeah, no, I'm not doing this. And so that's why he benched him and, you know, put Bobby Portis in the starting lineup. And then obviously Jabari had to start again. Once Bobby loved Bobby at the three either. Well, no, I, no, no, no. They, no, I'm saying like they, they you know, they were going to start Jabari at the four. Oh, Hoiberg yeah, was yeah. like, I'm going to start Jabari at the four. Yeah. I'm not going to play None of this matters the... if Laurie's healthy. Well, right, exactly. And that's why, and that's why it was such a, uh, it was such a baffling move to sign him. And, and Laurie looked pretty good tonight uh, against the Pacers. They lost that game, but, you know, he he looked like he was pretty confident shooting. He had a couple of threes. I mm-hmm. I think him and Carter together, that's what they really have to hang in their hat on at this point as far as, you Which know, how this is terrifying goes. because I don't like best case scenario for both of them. Are either of them ever going to come close to a second or first team all NBA ever? It's too early to say they won't, but I, I, think I also both don't want to build my team around bigs. And this is my biggest concern with Anthony Davis and Joel Embiid and teams like that, where it's like, if it goes that, like, we'll see how they age. We'll see. Um, but I just, 
you look at the top of the league right now. You look at Giannis and Kawhi in the East. You look at LeBron. You look at what James Harden and Chris Paul did leading the the dual guard backcourt. You see just what Victor Oladipo is doing by himself leading the Pacers and Miles Turner falling to the background. And um, I don't know. It just it scares me that the Bulls backcourt is as bad as it is and the wing depth obviously not there either it just feels like they're building the wrong way i would never start with bigs ever in my rebuilding process i think that is the last thing i'm looking at i mean obviously guys like lori are intriguing and he's better i think or he's profiling better than we ever would have expected but um i don't know i i'm very concerned and the bulls like they should be in a better place than where they're at right now. I still like Wendell Carter. I mean, he has shown that he can score, I think, a little bit better than all of us thought, um, even coming into the draft. I didn't think he'd be this much of a streaky like guy who could put up 34 points his rookie year because he, what did he have? He had 30-something the other night um, in an insane game for them. But um, I don't know. I don't really know outside of Laurie and Wendell who you can really hang your hat on this team and be like, they can't go anywhere for the next five years. These are two, like they have two guys now who are cornerstone pieces and they're not even really cornerstone because I don't, it depends on how you feel about Lori, but um, I don't know. I just think it's going to be really hard to um, get back to the playoffs anytime soon or get this thing back on track with Boylan just because they don't have any wing or guard depth. And I think that matters significantly more. I mean, even look at the team that you're familiar with, Portland. They are surviving um, with the with CJ McCollum and Damian Lillard taking 50 shots a game between the two of them. And they have the ball a lot. Guards bring the ball up. They control the offense. They just have more of a say in uh, where a team goes. And, I mean, look at the uh, the the Warriors. What would have happened to their dynasty if had they traded Clay for Kevin Love? And now they have two of the best three-point shooters of all time. And it's worked out pretty well, in my opinion. I just... I, I'm very nervous about any team that is uh, in the situation that the Bulls are in where they are investing a lot of their future in two bigs. Not one big is enough for me to be concerned. Two, it's just like, uh, I don't know. Well, in both cases, they were kind of taking the best player available at the time. So, I mean, I also think that those two guys together are actually going to be you know, be able to play off of each other. I don't think their skill sets are really very redundant. What's going to be really yeah. important is, you know, they, they have to, they have to keep losing and they have to get a top five. I don't think they'll have to strength. try very hard for that. No, I think they'll, <laughs> I think they'll, Cameron Payne some more. Keep going. Right. I think they'll be okay. Like they, like they need to, they need to get a top five pick in this draft and get, yeah. and get, you know, one of the, one of those Duke guys or somebody else. And then, and then, and then you suddenly, you know, you have those guys, you have Levine, which I know you're not a Levine guy, but I no. think they still see him as, you know, a long-term guy, basically uh, you know, after that, like most of these other guys, like Robin Lopez is off the books. Jabari's not going to be around long term. Robin Lopez. He'd be great on a playoff team. Somebody yeah. should, somebody should uh, trade for him. Where should Maybe we put that, him? That, oh, Washington. you know where we should put him? Golden State. Washington. They just lost Damian Jones. Listen to, let's head, he's had a rough last couple of years. He had to sit out. Remember when the Bulls like forced yeah. him out last year? Just yeah, they they actually the got fined by the league for tanking too blatantly. But Robin it's Lopez him and Holiday, right? Wasn't yeah, it so and, it's yeah. those two. It is those two guys. Like Justin Holiday is a guy that you know. If I were Golden State, or if I were Houston, or Houston Philly, would be good for him. Houston, yeah. Philly, Indy, any of these, you know, any of these teams that maybe needs one more wing. Justin Holiday, you can get. He's making like four point five million this year. That's not mm-hmm. very much money. You could get him. For, I mean, Kyle Korver got two second was two second round picks. Uh, yeah, and Kyle Korver's thirty seven. I feel like you could probably you know. 
Justin Holiday, you can get either two second rounders or like a late first. Like I feel like it's, it wouldn't cost that much to get him. No. And a team like Houston really, really needs. Yeah. I mean, D'Antoni can't be any more clear. Like I'm having to play Gary Clark and rookies who I have no idea what they're going to do game in, game out because rookies are inherently streaky and uh, mercurial and stuff like that. So yeah, let's do that. We just solved the the two Western giants, uh, Justin Holiday to Houston and Robin Lopez to get those uh, coveted Zaza Pachulia 12 minutes uh, with the starters minutes in uh, Golden State. That's what we should The problem do. is Robin Lopez makes like 14 million this year. So I don't know how you're going to be able to make those salaries. Yeah, match out with send over uh, whatever Patrick McCall was going to make for a Golden State this year. That's how math works. He's not signed, though. No, he's not. Sad day. He's still Washington, just out there. Washington is the one that uh, is interesting to me with for Lopez. The Austin Robin Lopez from Chicago to Washington. They need a big. They I mean, Dwight Howard. Like Robin Howard Lopez. For... As a Dwight person, Howard. he's so nice. He loves to attack mascots. We want to send him to Washington? No, I will not allow it. All right. <laughs> Can I give you a Washington take, by the way, that I don't think uh, has been said a lot? Go for it. Washington shouldn't trade Bradley Beal or John Wall under any circumstances. They shouldn't trade either of them. Under no. The only person they should trade is Otto Porter. Okay, so why should they keep both Wall and Beal? It is so hard to get two guards who have the potential to be on one of the first second and third all nba teams at the same time they're close in age they're on the same timeline they don't play clean but you know what portland you're not gonna for like personalities matter cj mccollum is very different than john wall and bradley beal is different than john wall they're all different personalities matter chemistry matters but anytime i have the opportunity to have two potential hall of famers on the same run, because remember, Ray Allen said the player that reminds him most of himself in his prime, this was a month or two ago on the Dan Patrick Show, he said, Bradley Beal, you have young Ray Allen. I'm not trading him. Sorry, you're in a major market, DC. That's really nice. That's really nice of Ray Allen to say that, but I don't think we can really go ahead and pencil Bradley Beal into the Hall of Fame. I'm okay with it, but like Ray Allen's opinion matters to me. And if he sees a lot of Bradley Beal in himself... You know what? Fine. That's enough for me to keep him for the majority of his prime. Because Ray Allen, especially prime Milwaukee Bucks, Seattle Sonics, Ray Allen, all in. Give me 10 years of that. John Wall, you've already got locked in that contract. Whatever. Um, If he ever tries again on defense like he did to start last year, you know, that's a really, really good player. Maybe he'll figure it out. You, Scott Brooks... Just let just move on from Auto Porter. There are nine billion Auto Porters in this world. There's obviously something weird where they're annoyed, kind of like Jimmy Butler was annoyed with Carl Anthony Towns, and um, kind of where the Wiggins zone, where you're like you forget he's on the court. He's Harrison Barnes 2.0, all that kind of stuff. Where you're like, I don't understand. Like he does not need to make the money that he does. Move that, free that up, and then hope you can attract some other wing to fill that void that's what i do i trade auto porter i clear i take some bad contracts with some less years and i clear the books but i keep my two future hall of famers who are close in age on the same team together because having two all-stars in your backcourt is very very hard to do but we also know when they're both playing at, at an elite level they're a top four team in the east when they're both on both healthy we know how good they can be I'm not moving that. It's too hard to get there. I don't trust Ernie Grenfeld. 
to do this rebuild right. I just there's no reason to trade those two. I am saying you're both professionals. We're paying John a bunch of money. We're paying Bradley Beal a bunch of money. You guys will find somebody else. We'll move Porter. I know you guys don't uh look like he's just not a big part of this offense anymore. We can find another auto porter. You know what? We'll figure it out. But I am not moving two potential Hall of Famers in a major market in their prime. No. I mean, I just think that it has gotten everything about the whole thing. I mean, yes, on paper, yes, you're right. Those players, just from a pure like player standpoint, sure. It's gotten so toxic, though. Like you have you have to, you know, I feel like if you can if you can find somebody, I mean, that John, I can't get over John Wall making. I don't think there's a chance John Wall gets traded. No one's taking that contract. Uh, You know who would? Who? New York Knicks. Why? I mean, I suggested them on the podcast a couple weeks ago, but it's like, who are they taking back? Whoever you can get to make that. I mean, maybe do a three teams and like Tim Hardaway. Sure. Yeah. Like something like that. It's the Knicks. Washington. I say, fuck that. Why? No, none of those guys are going to be To get off John Wall's contract. Yeah. I keep it. John Wall is, we forget how bad Washington was before John Wall came onto the scene and became the superstar that he is now. And he's, I understand what he's been the last year and a half. I get all of that. I get the weird comments, the out of shape stuff. How everything. much that he's, how, how, what he's been the last year and a half and how much money he's going to be making going forward. That's fine. He's your best player of what? The last 25 years. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, I would. No disrespect would, to post prime Michael Jordan, who was still balling out for uh, the Washington Wizards in the early I would, 2000s. I but, would. I think you have to you have to leave all options open. You can't you can't make you can't the Wizards can't afford to make anybody untouchable. I'm not saying untouchable, but like it, my course of action would be: how do we fix this around Bradley Beal and John Wall? Scott Brooks knows how to he knows how to work with younger guys. We know what he did in Oklahoma City. We know he's good at just developing something out of nothing with Andre Robertson and a bunch of other role players. He's good at molding young talent. Just move Otto Porter and see if you can get a pick or get something and start over. The Kelly Oubre stuff is weird because he's been awful, but um, the Dwight Howard stuff, just whatever. Move on. Um, he's got a player option, though, for next year. Oh, God. Um, yeah. I mean, the Dwight Howard stuff's indefensible, but I don't know. I would, If I was GM of the Wizards, I would say, and hey, this is the first time I've ever been like, you know what? If I was Ernie Grunfeld, um, if I was, I just... I would never get in the business of trading guys like John Wall and Bradley Bill on the same team in their prime together in a weaker conference and just seeing if, you know what, maybe we stumble into another ta- another superstar down the road. Maybe Anthony Davis says, you know what, I want to play with John Wall. Maybe Boogie has a good second half with the Warriors. You sign Boogie next summer and you're able to find a taker for Otto Porter and then suddenly the Wizards are interesting again. Um, okay, that's. I mean, it's, it's possible. I don't. I, I don't see any way in which that in which that situation is salvageable with the people that are there right now. But I also don't really see any way that you know they're going to be able to get you know full value back. I would agree with you that Beal is the guy I would try the hardest to not trade. But I guess I think where you and I disagree is I would. I'm not as I'm not as closed off to the idea of trading John Wall if you could find someone to even take that contract. I mean, I'm trading Otto Porter. Whoever wants to take him. Well, sure. Yeah. No, that's the guy you want to move. But yeah. Sometimes what you want to do and what you end up having to do are two different things. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe Alan Crabb for auto Porter straight up. Maybe that's what we'll do. I don't think they would do that under any circumstances, they even though think, they were the team that signed uh, I don't think him do to that. that poison pill contract. But I believe Alan Crabb's on the last year of his deal, right? 
Say. Uh, no, he's no, he was a 2016, so he's got two more, or he's got one more after this one. I thought it was maybe it's a player option. I could have sworn he's well. Is he going to not pick up that player option? That's true. I don't know. Um, maybe not. Maybe he's like, you know what? I want to take all my threes elsewhere. I love his commitment to Mori Ball. Maybe that's where he can go. Alan Crabb to Houston, where he's always meant to be, be a uh, Troy Daniels type on the wing, where he only goes into the game for one reason and one reason only. Who? Still doesn't get a lot of run. Troy Daniels, still like three for six. Every box score you check that Troy Daniels played in, he went three for six from three. Those were all of his shots. Yeah, okay. I mean, so Troy Daniels as 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 Otto Porter. That's Troy okay. Daniels, also better than Zach Levine. Not people know that, but uh, that is true. All right, uh, there we go. So there, there, this has been Wizards Hour with Chase Thomas. Yeah, exactly. You know what? I'm just I'm defending him, uh, John. Bradley, stick together. Ernie Grunfeld, don't trade in any of them. Otto Porter, um, wherever you want to go. Houston, sure. Just keep adding to that luxury tax. There you go. Um, take back something else. I, I don't know. Um, we haven't talked about this. We talked about Philly a little bit, but I want to touch on them because they were starting Mike Muscala at the four the other night. And when they got Jimmy Butler, they solved one problem. Their close game offense like Jimmy Butler two game winners in um, a week span and they look great Joel Embiid playing like a modern Shaq Hakeem mix you have JJ Redick back in the starting lineup where he never should have left Ben Simmons as cowardly as he is from the three-point line still a very good player everything works except they now have a hole because Dario Saric and Robert Covington both left to Minnesota who are suddenly playing really well with those two. Um, are they in danger? And this is not, I, I don't think this is a hyperbole to suggest this. Are they now close to that zone where we remember the Clippers, the conversation we talked about, the Chris Paul, Blake Griffin, JJ, um, DeAndre Jordan Clippers, where they never found that fifth guy at the three. It was Luke Richard and Bob Mute, Paul Pierce, Wesley Johnson. They went through a bunch of hodgepodge of guys. They never found that right fifth option um, for playoff games that matter. Like you can't have Jamal Crawford out there in that group and expect to beat the Warriors or whoever. Is there a scenario where the Sixers can f- solve that last wing spot um, that uh, kind of uh, is an issue for them now because of what they had to give up to get Jimmy Butler? That is a good question. <laughs> I mean, there's, I don't know if it's anybody on their current roster, and I'm not also not really sure what is out there as far as trade targets. But uh, it's you know it's it's gonna it is kind of a problem. But you know I think their top end talent is so good that it like I think I think they're gonna be okay. I don't I don't know if you you can say oh they're you they're know they're okay, the but they have to think about the Raptors, the Celtics, who and I mean the Bucks to an extent. But like okay, well if they're not the favorites to win the championship, they should just trade Joel Embiid and blow it up and start no, over. No, 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 that's what I'm saying. Because remember, the Clippers are really good and won 50 games years and years. They were pseudo-contenders, but we never really bought into them as a team that could get over the hump until they found that fifth piece. And I think that's what the Sixers are staring at right now, where they need someone who isn't going to get targeted. They cannot play Mike Muscala or Amir Johnson or um, the dude from Wichita or whoever, Zaire Smith, if he ever comes back. Like, they... You have to find something that works in that closing minutes against Kawhi, OG Ananobi, Pascal Siakam, Serge, and everybody else. Like you have to, or Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Gordon. Hay- like you have to have that one other piece if you're really gonna get over the hump. I'm not saying blow it up and do the whole Kevin O'Connor stuff. I am saying they just 
the pressure is now on because they've um, expedited their contention window by trading for Jimmy Butler and moving on basically from Markel Fultz. So like that is my thing is that the clock is ticking and they have to find this last piece to that closing five. And it's uh, not Mike Muscala, I guess is my big thing. Yeah, you're right. It's probably not Mike Muscala, but I mean, I think we're just kind of seeing what's, you know, what happens with every one of these young teams where, you know, they get anointed as, oh, this is going to be the team that's going to be, you know, they have these great young pieces at the top and then they're, you know, they're, they're going to be contending for years to come. We kind of saw this with Oklahoma City, you know, when they had Durant, Westbrook and Harden. It's like these guys are going to be in the finals every year for the next 10 years. Didn't happen. Uh, you know, you look at, uh, you know, Milwaukee is kind of in that zone right now. Minnesota a couple of years ago when people still thought Wiggins was going to be an all star type of guy. And then like they were like, oh, they have Wiggins and Townsend. And they hired Thibodeau, who's a proven winner of a, of a head coach. And they traded for Jimmy Butler like this is going to be the next power in the West. It doesn't it, it, it isn't usually that linear. I mean, we might be starting to see a little bit of that with the Sixers now. I mean, honestly, even with the Celtics, too, where like, you know, they were so good last year, despite, you know, not having Kyrie and Hayward for most of the year that. Uh, people just assume that, you know, those guys come back and suddenly it's going to just be oh, this linear thing. Sean, I have the receipts on this podcast arguing with Tom Westerholm, my guy, and Tweet Good Mac, Mr. James Hollis. I had, if you play back the tapes. I guess I'll one, have to Milwaukee go back and listen to the podcast. I, I guess I'll have to go back and listen to old back episodes of your podcast. To, I to, have been a Celtics denier for almost a year now. Yeah. I'm saying the greater like basketball internet intelligentsia mm-hmm. has been saying, okay, you know, this, you know, the Celtics are going to be the next, are going to be the next. Like, the Sixers are kind of in that zone. Like there's nothing guaranteed, but you can't, you, I, I don't know. I just, I guess I'm not as quick to say like, oh, you know, they, you know, they, they don't, they aren't where they need to be right now. So like, are they, like, are they in trouble? Or are they going to panic? Like what's like, I, 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 I mean, they're I'm, in a better not... situation than Boston. They have the best play. Like Joel Embiid is better than anyone on Boston right now. I agree. That matters. It didn't matter in the postseason last year because Joel Embiid got destroyed um, just having to go over and over again. And the series basically ended with Joel Embiid trying to go four on one, um, which wasn't his fault because their uh, other offense in the half court was Marco Bellinelli having one foot, 45 foot jumpers uh, off the baseline. I mean, that was another thing. But um, now you have Jimmy Butler in the mix who, I mean, would you say Jimmy Butler is better than anybody in the Celtics right now? I would. I think I probably would too. Yeah. A lot of Kyrie fans going to get mad about that, but um, I think that's fair. I do. Yeah. Okay. So the Sixers. I think they just need to find it. It might be Trevor Ariza. Mark Stein had a report that he's like the most likely vet to get moved. He's on that one year, 15 million deal, but that doesn't solve three years down the line. That doesn't solve like a, maybe that's a position. Maybe that's the thing is they have to just sub in a veteran every year or so to that fifth spot but that's kind of what los angeles did they applied a band-aid they had their wesley johnson's their paul pierce's their mbamute's their um who else did they have in that spot over the years um while they were trying to figure out who was in that closing vibe crawford i mean i just i don't i don't know if it's ariza but i mean it'd be good this year like that closing five you close with butler ariza um Embiid, reddick and simmons I mean, he's going to be available. I don't know whether yeah. by trade or by buyout market. I mean, and he and he's going to be a guy that, uh, you know, once he's you know once he's available, I don't know if he'd go back to Houston, but that's going to be a guy that you know all those types of teams are going to you know be going after. Yeah, I don't know. It's just I, I'm interested to see how they fill that spot, and I just think people need to keep an eye on it because you're going to see in the playoffs if they don't. It's going to get ugly because te- they're it's going to look like they're playing four on five a lot, 
And that's a problem because that's what happened with Los Angeles where teams would just ignore their fifth guy and you just can't win a, a title. You can't become real contenders until you fill up that five. You need all five. It's hard. It really is hard, but you have to, you have to find that fifth guy and they have their work cut out for him. But I believe in Elton Brand in that group. They, the Jimmy Butler trade was good, but they sacrificed another area um, by having to um, acquire one of the league's top 10 players uh, quickly before we go. Victor Oladipo, ailing knee. Am I crazy for thinking that that's a good thing for the Pacers? Probably, but... (laughs) Can I make the quick case? Go for it. No one's going to Indiana voluntarily. The Pacers do not sign free agents. Big-time free agents, excuse me. A lot of small-timers. They love it. Doug McDermott, um, Darren Collison, Corey Joseph. Rotation guys... Love the Indiana Pacers. They are drawn to the lore of Larry Bird and Kevin Pritchard and Nate McMillan, Team USA guy. But they're not going to get anybody. They're not going to be in the Kevin Durant sweepstakes. They're not going to be in the Chris Paul sweepstakes. But what they could be is in a situation where the Spurs were a couple years ago, where you had to kind of bottom out a little bit. What if they just, Victor Oladipo, just took the year off to get his D better? Miles Turner, not he's not the next guy. DeMontis Sabonis, as fun as he is, he's not a number two on a title team. What if the only way to get Victor Oladipo, a running mate, is just to bottom out for a year in the lottery and get R.J. Baird or something like that? What if it's actually a good thing? I mean, they'd have a lot of work to do to catch up with like Atlanta and Phoenix and Chicago and uh, Cleveland to really get, you know, to really be in the mix to get one of those guys. I don't and I don't really see that happening. But uh, I mean, it's a, it's a nice thought, but I, th- I think that's a little bit unrealistic. They can take enough long twos. I don't know if you've been looking at their shot chart, Sean, but uh, if you take Victor Oladipo out of there and it's a uh, Bojan Bogdanovich as their number one option for a full season, I believe in the tank. That roster uh, sucks outside of Victor Oladipo. I don't know. I still, I still feel like they're going to be one of those teams that plays hard enough to, you know, they they're going to play hard. They will play hard. They'll I don't, play. I don't, I just, I can't get there with you on the Pacers need a tank uh, type of thing. I, I just, I, I, I'm just, I'm I just not want there Victor with Oladipo you. to get a running mate. That's it. He's so good. I want him like Paul George should have gone back to Indiana. That would have been the key. That would have been a lot of fun. He's would you rather play with Victor Oladipo for the next three years in your prime or Russell Westbrook? I would have gone to the Sixers if I was Paul George, honestly. Mm. That would have been the fit. but Yeah, and then they wouldn't have had to give up Dario and Rocco. That would have been a perfect fit. I don't know. Yeah. That's not bad. I like that, too. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I just want Indiana to find because I really do love watching them play, and I love watching Victor Oladipo play. And I just feel like if they the only way for them to get over that that hump in the East is to find another, um, another running mate, but it has to be a wing guy, like somebody like RJ. And I, uh, I don't know. I don't know how they get it other than bottoming, bottoming out for a year because Victor Oladipo took it easy with his ailing knee. I mean, if it turns out that this is a really a serious injury, then okay, fine. That's one thing. But if it's just, he has a little bit of knee pain, I don't want to immediately jump to, Oh, you know, let's shut him down for the season. And oh, try that's to what take- I'm doing. Kevin Pritchard, I'm calling Victor. Victor, you're done for the year. We're ta- oh, sorry, we're doing the Tim Duncan thing. We're uh, we're gonna see what happens here. We're gonna roll the dice for a year in the lottery. Thanks. We want right, to get well, help. Yeah, I, I can't I can't really get there with you no, on that no, one. No. I mean, That's I, a I, I yeah. 
It is. Sean, I just want uh, the Pacers to be good again. That's it. That's why I just want Victor Oladipo to be happy. Aren't good. Their Pacers are fine. They're fine. Every team doesn't have to either be contenders or tanking. Like, I, I hate this group thing. I didn't thing. say that. No, 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 no. I, I'm not going down there. I'm just saying I want Victor Oladipo to have enough help to build a contender because I think he'd be really interesting on a contender as the number one option. That's all I want. I want to see what it looks like. I mean, it would be interesting to see if that worked out. It seems like he's probably going to be staying there for a while. I don't know. Maybe I think it, it just was LeBron last it, year. They did. And, and now, and now <laughs> I did. And now we, they did. And now we want to just blow the team up because, you know, he I has didn't say blow him up. I didn't say that. I said, have a bad year, a down year where he gets to rest up the knee and uh, cleans it up, does whatever. And then they find a, a, another guy. And do that because I just they're not getting anybody in free agency that's going to move the needle. It's not happening. So I just I don't know. I guess through trade, maybe Miles Turner trade value. What does that look like these days? I mean, not he great. just signed that extension. So I mean, we'll yeah. see. We'll see if they you know are able to are able you know I think that will probably you know factor into it. But I don't know. I'm not ready to give up Chicago? on Miles Turner. What if we did uh, him uh, Jabari and uh, Wendell Carter on the floor together? I think that'd be great for the Chicago tank job. Let's do that. Okay, but then you're paying Miles Turner the long term. Uh, you know, the, don't the, give the, me that. Uh, Sean. I, I'm I, that was not meaning. That was not something that I wanted meaningful thought. That was me just throwing stuff at Chicago to help their tank job. I actually right, don't. Let's want do, to so do let's that. so let's just put let's put uh I don't know let's just like let's 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 put LeBron let's trade LeBron to the Detroit Pistons. I don't know. Let's just like throw shit out here. I don't know. Mm, Andre Drummond to the Pacers. I don't yeah. Know. Okay. Fine. Like we're From just you know, there. You go cleaner fit with miles and blake i don't i don't know i just don't like miles turner's just he'll bother me another like high upside um high ceiling because he just won't be bad but i don't know it's kind of sad to see him not get to that next level and help victor oladipo in that regard but whatever maybe uh Bojan has another level to go at 43 years old or however old he is <laughs> maybe he's the one who makes the leap for indiana <laughs> but maybe that's it Sean, I have taken too much of your time, sir. Thank you uh, so much for coming on. Is there anything we need to uh, read before we get out of here from you uh, this week? I had a story on Mo Bamba that just came up, went up today on Bleacher Report that you can uh, go check out. I linked to it a couple times on Twitter. Mostly just follow me on Twitter at Hiken. Uh, I, you know, every time I write something, I usually will, you know, put that up there. So that's kind of the best way to keep up with me these days. But you know, I'm around. I'm on the internet. You are on the internet. I, I do know that, and I. Uh... I enjoy your work and I encourage everyone if they have not already to read all of his work and follow him on Twitter and all that good stuff. And uh, yeah, Sean, thank you uh, so much for taking the time, sir. Yeah, it was good to talk to you, man. All right. Talk to you soon. And that'll do it for today's episode of the Chase Thomas podcast. I uh, just want to remind you guys, if you like today's episode and you are subscribed on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, I would really appreciate if you could take a second, leave the show a five-star rating and a review. If uh, you're not an Apple podcast listener, remember you can find the show on Spotify, TuneIn Radio, SoundCloud, Stitcher, uh, Google Play, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Uh, be sure to check out ChaseThomasPodcast.com where you can access all of my previous episodes and also find all my writing. I'm writing there fairly often. And also follow me on Twitter at Chase underscore Thomas and like the Facebook page at Facebook.com slash Chase Thomas Writer. Uh, thank you for your support and we will be back with another episode very soon. Thanks guys.
Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.